Welcome to the Family Addiction Coaching Podcast. My name is Patrick Doyle. I am one of only 22 certified craft clinicians in the United States, a family addiction coach, and a social worker with 30 years experience in the addiction and mental health fields. From this series, you'll learn insider tips and strategies to best help a loved one with addiction gain health and recovery. You will also learn how to improve your family's overall quality of life. Let's get started. Hey everyone, this is Patrick Doyle. I'm a social worker, family addiction coach, and host of the Family Addiction Podcast. This is the third episode in my pro tip series on helping your loved one and answering questions families have when impacted by substance use. Today's episode is on how you can find help for addiction, but first, let's recap my last two pro tips episodes. In episode 15, I described how to recognize addiction. Then episode 16 covered how to talk about addiction with seven tips for better communication skills to improve your relationship and encourage another to seek treatment. Now in this episode 17, you'll learn practical steps you can take today to find help for addiction. Let's get right into it with pro tip number one. Call your state's helpline by dialing 211 for up-to-date information on local treatment availability. Every state has a 24-hour hotline at 211 where you can get resource information for addiction treatment. New Hampshire 211, nh211.org, lets you speak with a recovery coach right away who can assess your needs and tell you all the services for any level of care in New Hampshire. They sometimes even know about current bed availability for residential treatment. I called and was told that a local general hospital would assess patients in their emergency department, and if detox was needed, the patient would be admitted to a medical unit and treated. I passed that on to a client who got admitted for detox that day by going through the ED. Recently, a patient I was helping was still on a waiting list for outpatient counseling after a month. It's never been easy to find a counseling appointment, but lately people have only been able to get onto waiting lists that can take months. She called 211, talked to her recovery coach, and was given an appointment to start treatment the next day. She was also referred to a coaching program where she received a peer recovery coach at no cost. Peer recovery coaches are people with lived experience in recovery who helps patients follow through on their recovery plan. So remember to call 211. Here's pro tip number two. Before you leave home, call more than one ED to ask how long the wait time may be. The doctor on call for your doctor's office may be able to tell you which local ED has the shortest wait time. Family could call and say, my son needs help for alcohol withdrawal, then transfer to a rehab facility. Can you do that? That would help you find an ED that treats patients with compassion. I've heard many stories from patients who are turned away by ED staff simply because of addiction. Sometimes a patient declines my recommendation of going to an ED. Instead, they want a direct admission to a rehab program. What they don't realize is that it can take up to several days to find availability in a rehab program. Meanwhile, the patient continues to drink to control the withdrawal, which is not a good plan. Patients going through withdrawal are not able to manage the symptoms on their own. It's best to get care at an ED that same day if they cannot find admission to a rehab. If the patient declines going to an ED, they need a friend who can check on them regularly while they make the calls to programs. If you get really concerned about a friend, you can call 911. You would do that for a heart attack. You may need to do that for addiction. 
Some patients are so sick, they need someone to make the calls for them. The number one question I receive is, we need help to solve this substance use problem. How can we get it? Well, here's the thing. There is no one kind of help that will work for everyone. Plus, we cannot know in advance how a patient will respond to a certain treatment. There are many kinds of help, and some are not considered treatment. Be wary of programs that claim they can help everyone. It just doesn't happen that way. Quality addiction treatment starts with an evaluation by a licensed medical professional. This eval should also include information from the family or chosen family, assuming they are positive influences, which most families are. The patient should then decide what type of treatment or help they want to pursue, if any. Which brings us to pro tip number three. Patients usually do best when they're allowed to decide in the treatment they will pursue. I always make it clear that I support each patient's need to make their own healthcare decisions, whether I agree or not. For this episode, I'm focusing on situations where a person has a severe addiction for which they need an intensive level of treatment. A common example would be a patient having symptoms from alcohol overuse, which could include shakiness, sweats, and vomiting. This is called alcohol withdrawal syndrome and is a medical crisis that needs immediate attention. Most people believe that inpatient residential treatment is superior to outpatient, yet that's not always true. For many, outpatient support may be more effective. It depends on the clinical assessment of each patient's needs. Here's an example. I was coaching parents of an adult son with a 15-year history of severe alcohol use disorder. He had been to many residential treatment programs, but had not been able to not drink for more than a couple of weeks at most. Being treated in an ICU after having a withdrawal seizure, he was declining transfer to a residential program. He explained that he knew being admitted would be harmful for his recovery, as he wouldn't be able to talk honestly to the staff. Having been both a patient and a staff member at many programs for 15 years, he'd learned to parrot back things the staff wanted to hear. He'd have to pretend to agree to avoid being punished and called uncooperative, not serious about recovery. Basically, he had to work harder on getting discharged than on getting better. What he said made total sense to me. Most programs use the same outdated approaches for every patient, which works for some but doesn't work for many. I thanked him for speaking his truth and told his parents I fully agreed with his decision. Without treatment, but having the loving support of his parents and family coaching, he was able to build three months of not drinking for the first time ever. He was more engaged, socially active, and had started working for his father and was doing a good job. They all were so pleased with his recovery. So the quickest and simplest way to receive immediate care for a life-threatening emergency is by calling 911 and asking to be brought to the closest emergency department. ED staff will provide immediate care for any serious medical injuries or conditions, including those related to substance use. A year ago, I took a call from a man in his 40s reporting the signs of alcohol withdrawal. From drinking a large amount daily, he was shaky, couldn't keep his hands still, and he couldn't eat. He was trying to stop, but alcohol was the only thing that would calm the shakes. But now even another drink wasn't helping. He wasn't drinking to relax or have fun. He was drinking to keep from getting sicker. He knew he was in rough shape and was cooperative and eager for help. He didn't want to call 911. He asked me to call and see if his wife would come home from work and bring him to the ED. 
He also allowed me to notify the ED that he was on his way. His wife was relieved to get my call and immediately set out for home. My next call was to the triage nurse in the ED, who was very warm, pleased to hear from me. I told her the patient's withdrawal symptoms, how much and for how long he'd been drinking. I emphasized that he was open, eager, highly motivated to stop drinking. It helps for staff to hear that. It was the truth. She promised to give this all to the doc so the patient could receive the best care. I asked if I could be notified with a disposition to show that I care what happens to this patient. Knowing what's coming in helps prepare staff and might even help them to step up their quality of care. It's not easy working in an ED these days. This is at the height of hospitalizations due to COVID-19, and I wasn't sure how receptive the often overwhelmed ED staff would be to a patient with addiction. His wife later said that they could have not have had a better experience, and after stabilization, they transferred him to a rehab program. As persons with addiction in the past have not always felt welcomed in an ED, this is a heartwarming story and is pro tip number four. Ask a counselor or medical staff person or a friend to call an ED in advance whenever possible. It really does bring out the best in ED staff. This segues into pro tip number five. Make sure the ED staff understand you want them to arrange for a transfer to a rehab program after you've been stabilized. Don't wait to be asked. Be very assertive. Clarify that it's not safe for you to be discharged to home. The ED will do this if you request it. I've gotten many calls from patients who went home from the ED, resumed substance use, and then learned they couldn't get admitted to a program from home. Medically supervised withdrawal in an ED or even in a five-day rehab is not addiction treatment. It stabilizes your body, but it does nothing to bring about recovery. Without a period of at least several months of additional treatment, the likelihood of resuming use is very high. Addiction is the compulsive use of substances regardless of the consequences, and the cravings are almost impossible to resist for a person who has no tools or strategies to manage them. This is especially true for both alcohol and opioid use disorder. A regular listener, Amanda, wrote in a great question. I'm curious what people should say when they do go to the ER. What would a patient or a family member say when they first walk up to the intake counter? It's the most terrifying part, thanks to stigma. Thanks so much for this great question, Amanda. So here's pro tip number six. Tell medical providers exactly what you need help with and ask if they can help. It's best to be open and direct, like, I've been drinking way too much for too long. I feel terrible. I'm scared. I can't stop shaking. I can't keep food down. I know I need something long-term. Can you help me get into rehab? We know it takes a lot of strength and courage to ask for help, and most ED staff will want to take good care of you. But if you don't get a welcoming response, you might need to keep looking. Pro tip number seven, try to get a family member or friend to stay with you the whole time you're in the ED. Every patient in a medical crisis needs an advocate, a second set of ears to hear what staff advise and to ask questions. It's hard to be a patient in an ED. You feel so sick, you can't think straight. A friend can help make sure you get the best care. The staff pay more attention if you're not alone. If you're a family member, make sure the staff is aware the patient wants to go to a rehab and that they're looking for a bed. Many rehabs won't admit a patient unless they have just been medically cleared. Here's pro tip number eight. Before you leave home, call more than one ED to ask how long the wait time may be. 
the doctor on call for your doctor's office may be able to tell you which local ED has the shortest wait time. You can often tell during that call how likely you are to receive compassionate care. I've heard many stories from patients who are turned away by ED staff simply because of addiction. Pro tip number nine, make arrangements for treatment in advance so when a person agrees, it'll start within one to two days because they're not going to be able to wait. People going through withdrawal are very sick. If they don't get immediate care, they're going to have to get medicine on their own. This does not mean they're not motivated for treatment. You still hear blaming the patient as not ready to stop. It's not the patient's fault. Our healthcare system does not provide immediate access. Whether a heart attack or alcohol withdrawal, patients need immediate care. Patients don't fail treatment. Treatment fails patients. Sometimes a patient declines my recommendation of going to an ED. Instead, they want a direct admission to a rehab program. What they don't realize is that it can take up to several days to find availability in a rehab program. Meanwhile, the patient continues to drink to control the withdrawal, which is not a good plan. Patients going through withdrawal are not able to manage the symptoms on their own. It's best to get care at an ED that same day if they cannot find admission to a rehab. If a patient declines going to an ED, they need a friend who can check on them regularly while they make the calls to programs. Some patients are so sick, they may need someone to make calls for them. Pro tip number 10, call your PCP first thing in the morning and get a same-day appointment for medical evaluation. Primary care physicians hold 15-minute sick visit slots for urgent issues. You can be evaluated over telehealth by a provider who can prescribe medication or make a referral for ongoing care. Patients trust their PCPs and may be more willing to talk to their doctor rather than to an addiction counselor they've never met. For those who don't have PCPs, find a local urgent care center. Pro tip 11, call your health insurance plan and get a same-day evaluation through the plan itself. Most plans now offer telehealth appointments the same day. Call the customer service phone number on your insurance card and ask for a telehealth appointment. A person I was helping was able to get a same-day primary care appointment and also an appointment with a psychiatrist two days later on a Sunday. There's no other way to get as quick an appointment outside of an ED. Pro tip number 12, use one of the federal or state search websites to find a local treatment program. Every state has a Department of Mental Health or Addiction Services with a website or a live rep who can provide resource information. The federal government has a Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, which operates the confidential SAMHSA National Helpline at 1-800-662-4357. People who don't have financial resources may qualify for grants or scholarships. SAMHSA can tell you the details. Scholarships are offered by treatment facilities to someone who has exhausted all other financial assistance options. SAMHSA also has resources online at findtreatment.gov. The National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, NIAAA, has a great website called The Navigator. Like many other online resources, The Navigator has no commercial sponsors. The Navigator will steer you towards evidence-based treatment shown to be the most likely to help patients. 
You'll also find guidance on how to interview programs for quality. There's also the Private National Alliance on Mental Illness at NAMI.org, which offers a helpline and online resources and guidance on how to obtain treatment. Pro tip number 13, call the local fire department and ask if they can help you start treatment. Recently, the city of Fall River, Massachusetts opened its Safe Stations program, so people can walk into any city fire station and request additional help. People receive an initial medical screening and help from a recovery coach. The city of Providence, Rhode Island, and cities in New Hampshire have been operating Safe Station programs for several years with great success. They report that a woman who spent three days in the ER without getting a treatment bed later went to a fire station. Within an hour, she met a recovery coach and arrived at her detox bed that same day. While similar programs may be operated by police departments, Safe Stations reports many people preferring to use fire rather than police. Pro tip number 14. If you Google search for addiction treatment near me, most of the results will be paid advertisements that don't look like ads. Many will contain pop-up chat boxes that offer to help you gain admission to their program. Google will not give reliable recommendations based on quality. You'll still need to interview programs for evidence-based therapies and goodness of fit. Pro tip number 15, outpatient medically supervised withdrawal may be effective and allow you to stay in your own home. An adult male in severe withdrawal contacted me, referred by his employer, after calling out sick. He'd been binging alcohol all day for several days and had no interest in evaluation at an ED. He wanted to remain at home and was willing to participate in an outpatient program. Though I didn't think this had much of a chance to work, I was able to get him a next-day outpatient appointment at a program which even provided transportation. He was prescribed medication, completed the detox process, was back at work in a few days with a plan for continuing treatment. While this approach may not work for all, he was feeling well and had no cravings for alcohol. Pro tip number 16, there are now in-home addiction treatment services available that may be covered by insurance. I got a call from a woman who needed treatment and was unwilling to participate in group therapy. I explained to her that treatment involves mostly group sessions She'd been through group treatment before and had not found it helpful. I contacted Aware Recovery Care, who was able to send a variety of professionals to her home to deliver services. Last I heard, she was pleased and doing well with recovery. Aware is available in 11 states and has plans to expand into more. Pro tip number 17. Call your employer's employee assistance program for immediate counseling support and help finding treatment 24 hours a day. Most employers and trade unions provide an EAP as a benefit. EAPs offer confidential counseling assistance at no cost. Many programs will also help a household member of an eligible employee, including a child away at college. I've worked for many years at various EAPs where I've learned a lot and had the privilege to help thousands of employees and their families gain health and recovery. So, to recap this episode, we reviewed several little-known approaches that have helped many find treatment. I have learned because I never give up on families and people with addiction. The folks I hear from have already tried to obtain treatment. I advise them, continue to follow up, and learn from their successes.
I love families and people with addiction as they are the bravest, strongest, most loving and determined folks I've ever met, and they inspire me to do better. While we need to make treatment more accessible to more patients, the good news is that addiction is a highly treatable illness with millions in recovery. I encourage people to try to remain hopeful and to continue to ask for help in all possible ways. Stay tuned for our next In the Pro Tip series, where we'll talk about all things related to outpatient addiction treatment. If you've been able to overcome barriers and gained health and recovery, I'd love to hear your stories. Please contact me through my website, familyaddictioncoach.com, so I can share your successes with this community. That brings us to the end of this episode. I hope this episode was helpful for you. As always, thanks for listening to Family Addiction Coaching. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you found this episode helpful, please ask two friends to give it a listen. If you have any questions you'd like me to answer in a future episode, you can find me at familyaddictioncoach.com, on Twitter at Patrick Doyle underscore 35, and on my Facebook page, Family Addiction Coaching Podcast. You can also email me directly at patrick at familyaddictioncoach.com. Be sure to come back for the next episode for more insider information you won't get anywhere else, and check out the other episodes. Until then, this is Patrick Doyle. Take good care. That brings us to the end of this episode. As always, thanks for listening to Family Addiction Coaching. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you found this episode helpful, please ask two friends to give it a listen. Be sure to come back for the next Pro Tips episode for more insider information you won't get anywhere else. And check out the other episodes. Until then, this is Patrick Doyle, and you can find me at familyaddictioncoach.com.